0: Reach
1: for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart.
2: Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
0: Golden, Colorado. Welcome to a Real Man Wood podcast. This is Chris List, your host. And I am talking as usual to my co-host, Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. What's going on, man?
2: Uh, not much, Liz. Uh, before we get to that, it was an insane sports night last night. Um, uh, wanted to ask about Easter, did you have any, uh, did you have a nice holiday. Had to, went to a kind of a family reunion of sorts for my wife and kids doing the Easter egg hunting and all that. But um, nothing, nothing too crazy. What about yourself? Uh,
0: I went up uh, with Heather and Sasha and Sasha's friend and some other couple to this town called Aviru. It's like northern Portugal. It was all right. It was, it's was kind of random. <laughs> It wasn't bad. I didn't really, not that excited. I'm going away this weekend also to uh, like a resort, little resort place for a few days, which should be chill. And, uh, you know, I joined a gym. I haven't ever really joined a gym in my whole life. You know, I used to have a gym when I was in college. I'd go like once every month, maybe at most. The gym was like the library, you know, something that in theory, it was something that I could use, but I never did in practice. But basically in in January, I was going to go to the gym because I, I think that uh, saunas are incredibly good for your health. Not only is acute stress good for your health, you know, things like lifting weights or fasting or being in extreme heat for 20 minutes or 30 minutes and sweating, all that stuff is good for you, but also your skin is a serious organ of detoxification and a lot of heavy metals and other uh, toxins go, come out through your skin. So it's important to sweat that stuff out. And saunas are very good. (laughs) Scandinavian countries have saunas. The Chinese do it. The Koreans do it. You know, it's kind of a, the Native Americans did it. Something that human beings have realized is very good for your health for a long time. So there were no saunas except in this one kind of high-end gym that Heather goes to because she's a fanatic about the gym. And so on on New Year's, I was like, you know, New Year's resolution type of thing in January. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. So the dude's like, well, it's 100 bucks a month plus it's this fee and that. And I was like, "Ah, if you could do it for 80 a month, and just do it for one month, and I'll see if I actually go, and you know, I'll take it. It's like, oh, we can't do that. So I, I was positive he was going to give in and cave, but he never did. But then he uh, offered sixty-nine bucks a month. First month is free for, but I had to do it for a year. I, I thought, and but I could cancel it with a two-month penalty if, at any time. So I was like, all right, I'll do it. So I now belong to a gym. Believe it or not, it's embarrassing to go to a gym. I, fe- I feel embarrassed to be there. It's just an embarrassing thing for a grown man to be at.
2: Yeah. I've never been a gym guy. I'm trying to do some pushups these days, but back in the day, my dad would belong to like, you know, a men's club and I would go, I would do the steam room thing. And I always felt good. Yeah. I mean, it was obviously a little, a little weird, but, uh, I I know Joe Rogan brags about his, he owns an infrared sauna and I've, I've looked into it. I think it's not like outrageous to get one for your own home really, but, um, yeah, I know there are plenty of benefits to that. And I, let me know how that goes. Are, Are you planning on doing any lifting there?
0: Yeah, so here's what I do. So uh,
2: the infrared are
0: okay too, but I like the old dry sauna, you know, the, the old school ones, but infrared sure. sort of a, a more modern technology. So I go in, and like, again, it's embarrassing. It's like I got scolded because I didn't have workout shorts. I just wear regular shorts, and then like, now you, you should have not scolded, but it's just like, it's just a, a bullshit place. And then, so I bought some shorts. And then I did not have my towel, so the dude gave me a towel, and he's like, okay, but next time you got to either rent a towel, you got to rent a towel for 10 euros a month, or just bring your own. So now you got to, like, walk around with a towel you can't just lift. I'm not, like, sweating in the machines. Anyway, I go down, and for, like, 10 minutes, I lift, like, five or six or eight random machines, like, push myself kind of hard. Like, I don't know what weights. I'll just go on some machine. They're all, like, super modern machines that, like, you know, does, like, your chest muscles, and I'll just, like, do... whatever the weight is, I'll like put 40 kilos in there and I'll just do like, I don't know, 25 reps until it's really hard for me to do another one. And then I'll do like a bunch of curls for like 25 or 30 reps. And then I'll do like some leg shit, some random stuff. And it's not even the same thing every time, but I just walk around real quick, try to, you know, figure out where no one's at, do whatever machine is open and like do it pretty hard for 10 minutes. And then when I'm done, I go to the sauna and try to stay half an hour.
2: Nice. Uh, yeah. Let me know how that goes. It does not seem like something that you would do, but uh, I mean, obviously that's help a real man does there, not do so. but,
0: Trust me. It's super embarrassing a real man would not do this. And, and, but I will say like, you know, you build, I've only gone like four or five times so far and like you start to build some muscles pretty fast. I mean, if you're jacked like myself, obviously, of course it's uh, yeah, of course it's, don't, you know, don't try this at home, but uh, I mean just 10 minutes of trying, you know, pretty hard while you're there for 10 minutes, you know, I'm trying to do it three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but uh, we keep traveling on Friday. So, um, you know, whatever. It's good, though. The sauna is legit. The sauna is like that. it steam room is different than a sauna, steam room is also got its benefits. And there's one of those there. But the, the sauna, I think, is the, the more potent uh, detoxifier.
2: Yeah, you get those toxins out. And it feels good doing it. I, I would absolutely go in one if I if I had one available. So um, I'm on board with that. Listen, I want to talk about some other sports before we get into baseball, stuff you don't care as much about. But, man, I live you know fairly close to San Jose. I should have been there last night, even though I don't follow hockey whatsoever, just come playoff time. But, man, the Sharks game last night, 10 minutes left, down 3-0 in a game seven. They get this five-minute major penalty, and they score four goals. Insane within the five minutes. Then hold off their own power play, up 4-3, give up the tying goal inside a minute left. So talk about momentum going back and forth, win it in overtime, a game seven, just absolutely crazy. I know you don't follow NHL as I don't either, but... Islanders, uh, man, you know
0: how are the Islanders I, doing? Islanders are still alive. Yeah, the I,
2: yeah, I, I only thing I, I, did, I do know is I could tell you that one team, I believe it was the Tampa Bay Lightning, set a record for most wins ever in a season and then proceeded to get swept in the first round of the playoffs, which definitely sounds pretty crazy. But fired up for the Sharks. Uh, San Jose can only name a few players on the team, but that was actually really, really an exciting game to watch and I actually missed the Damian Lillard shot live because I was watching uh that, that game but man it was a I think the Blazers were down eight points with two and a half left and obviously the Lillard everyone's seen that just sick from whatever how many feet away and I guess there's been five walk-off series uh buzzer beaters like two buzzer beaters in the series in the history of the NBA and Damian Lillard owns two of them now so that's pretty insane and obvi- he's becoming one of my Favorite non-warriors, I just love going against Westbrook like that, waving goodbye. He just comes off so, so much better, and 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 that was just, just sick. have you watched, if you watched any any NBA playoffs at all this,
0: no, but I, I did see the clip of that, and I was struck by two things. One, reminds me of Reggie Miller. He's like this generation's Reggie Miller. And two, that was a terrible shot. I mean, Paul George was up in his face. It was thirty-seven feet away. I mean, you didn't need a three, you just needed a two. You just needed a foul, to get fouled and hit one free throw, actually, is a tie game. And you jack up this ridiculous three, and it, it goes in. And it shows how crazy good these guys are to be able to shoot from that range with a really good defender on with a hand in his face. But, I mean, come on, that was a, that was a terrible shot.
2: Yeah, there there have been columns out today suggesting it was not a terrible shot and uh, some gory math involved. I and mean, he's been like 36% from that distance this year. But, but that no, was With a dude was right in your face that like did, that? Yeah,
0: exactly. Come on. Exactly. And you don't even need three. The whole point about the three-point range is that obviously getting that extra point is so valuable. That's why you never take long twos. But this didn't matter. <laughs> Anything going in wins the game if, if you take it when the shot clock is down. So why not drive and dish? I mean, uh, you know, good for him. He hit it, but that was a, if they were down two, okay, the three, you know, or if they were down three, that would have been the sickest shot ever. But you're like, dude, it was tied just to score. Anyway, it was a good shot. It's, uh, you know, I was talking to Dre about this on the radio yesterday and Whalen today about it, that, you know, the, the three point line came into effect like 30 years ago and they didn't really, it really changed the game until five years ago where they're like, wait a second. It's actually way smarter to just take this kind of shot and just get rid of all the mid-range stuff. And then it seems like as a result, you have these guys or maybe, you know, Andre suggested that maybe the fact that the Curry's and the Harden's were in the league helped, you know, teams wise up quickly and realize that with, with guys like this, there's just no point in settling for two pointers unless it's a dunk or a super high percentage shot. So, you have this whole, you're going to have a whole generation of players that just can drain, you know, that's all they're going to practice. You know, they're just going to be long range bombers. And we were joking, like, what if they made a four point shot? You know, that was like another 10 feet back. Like, would you get a, eventually get a generation of kids who could like hit that at 25%, you know, like from four point range? Seriously.
2: Yeah. I mean, Larry Bird never hit a hundred threes in a season. I mean, just think of how much different the, the game has evolved. This, this is this crazy. They, they, Who knows? Maybe they will change it. The the, the distance or, four. or they will add a four. four. Yeah, yeah. I.
0: or a five. So yeah. I, I
2: already bought tickets for game one of the the Rockets coming up. Man, I, I am just, just very, very concerned with Houston. I think that is the NBA Finals. Uh, they definitely have my attention as a Warriors fan. So I'm pretty, pretty fired up for that. No clue even what day it's going to be, but uh, I will be there. Game one Rockets Warriors, assuming both teams handle their business tonight. So I would probably look really foolish if one of them get upset at home. Before this pot even airs uh but they'd have to lose three straight so i think they are going to eventually have a game one um yeah so uh before we get to baseball one more it's nfl draft you have any have any thoughts on this i mean as the niners picking second and this you know murray may not go one now i think he will um kind of uh, as a giants fan i mean who are they going to take daniel jones at qb number six now I mean, what what, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the draft i mean we all have to talk to nfl draft
0: well, I mean, I don't know, because I don't really know any of these players. They're just names to me right now. Like, I don't really know who they are. I mean, I, heard, I read about them. I hear rumors about them, but I just don't know. And one thing I like about Gettleman, even though he is kind of a clown in a lot of ways, is I, I totally agree that he's not just going to take a player for need. Like, they need a QB, obviously, but don't take a QB at six if there's no QB at six that you want to, you know, basically spend three years of your franchise trying to develop. I just think that's a huge mistake. So I don't know if Haskins is good enough. I don't know if Kyler Murray is good enough if the if the Cardinals pass on him. I don't know if Daniel Jones, it sounds like everyone's saying it's a reach, but people don't know. You know, quarterback isn't, you're not gonna be able to look from a distance and say whether the quarterback's gonna be good. My, my belief on QB is you need one of two things. You need either to be minimum Matt Ryan level pocket passer, which is pretty good, or you need to be, Cam Newton or, you know, I mean, Russell Wilson's kind of got both, but like Cam Newton or uh, one of those, you know, really good scrambling QBs. If you don't have the scramble piece, then you got to be a really, really good pocket passer to be worth committing to. You you don't want Andy Dalton. You don't want to commit to Andy Dalton. You don't want to commit to even Matthew Stafford. I mean, maybe Stafford would be sort of the, you know, you could lower the baseline from Ryan a little bit more to Stafford, but you, you don't really want to have a, a statue Unless the guy is just a a wizard in there.
2: Yeah, unless he's Jimmy G. I hear you. Seems like uh, Josh Jacobs is like the first, will be the first running back and the only running back taken in the first round, and he doesn't seem exciting whatsoever. That seems like a mistake. Whoever pulls the trigger there, it'll almost certainly be the Raiders. And uh, that DK Metcalf has some of the craziest workout metrics I've seen. He's 40 yard dash, 99th percentile, speed score, 99th percentile, burst score, 97th and his catch radius in the 90th too. But his agility score is the fourth percentile. So if you look at that on the bars, it's something like I've never seen. So see how that translates. Uh, just a couple of thoughts. So I, I'm sure I, I said that in jest, we have to talk NFL draft, but the rest of the sports world really is. Uh, but uh, taking with the NFL real quickly, what are the Chiefs, I thought it was a little bit curious to trade a first and second rounder, then hand out a $105 million contract to someone with, like, domestic abuse in his past. I mean, if the Chiefs of all teams, Frank Clark oh, beat the, beat the shit out of some girl in a hotel room a couple years ago. I, I don't know, man. That just seems weird to me. I guess Tyreek Hill was not charged officially right before we started recording this. But he could still have a lengthy suspension. But, man, I mean, they, gave, they, they essentially traded D Ford and gave a huge contract for a guy with that pass. That just seemed odd to me for a franchise. Uh, I don't know. I guess they don't know the definition of insanity. But a, any thoughts on that list?
0: I did think of that. They were—they just got rid of Kareem Hunt right in the middle of a playoff chase. They were the one seed. They just cut like their yep. best running back, and, and who knows? That overtime game in New England was pretty close. Like one play here or there might have made a difference. And they just kicked him the curb, like without a second thought. And then they signed another guy. It's, it is bizarre. And then why? You're right. Once you're pu- once you're paying full market value for the guy, it's kind of why would you trade so much for him? That doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, it's sort of like saying if we're in a keeper league and I've got like a $3 Mike Trout, you're going to you know, sell the farm to get him. But if I've got like a, you know, whatever the $70 Mike Trout or $60 Mike Trout, whatever the going rate would be, well, you might want to trade for Mike Trout because you can use him this year, but you're not going to trade that much for him because you you'll have the $70 to spend elsewhere if you don't get him. He's using up all the money allotted to someone of his skill level. You know, I don't really understand that at all. I, I get, like, maybe you thought, like, he's just the one missing piece that will put you over the top because everybody else is so good. I, I guess I could see it, but, man, that's a lot to give up and then sign him to that deal. That, that doesn't make any sense. And it's also why I wasn't as upset with the Giants trading Beckham because Beckham got paid. Beckham was getting paid right. to, you know, the full level of his skills or, you know, maybe 90% of them because I think Beckham's, like, the greatest receiver of all time if you were, like, Put him with Joe Montana or somebody in a good environment. I mean, it would have been ridiculous, but you know. So they're they're paying Beckham like you know a top three receiver salary, and they got a first rounder and a third rounder and a safety. And now I'm seeing like Mario Puig was saying that Jabril Preppers actually sucks. But regardless, it, you know, they, it was like they got the picks, and they I mean they got the picks and they gave up their guy after he was paid. It's not like they you know gave him up in his second year where they were like three years of having him on the cheap. Exactly.
2: Yeah, exactly. I know the Chiefs are making a defensive overhaul and switching schemes, and Frank Clark is good at football, but that just seemed very, very curious. He's also
0: only 25, and he's been pretty durable, and it's, you know, they they probably think they have him for, he signed him to a five-year deal, they probably think they're going to get at least three or four good years out of him, so it's, I understand it, it's just, you're right, could he really be worth a first, a second, and all the money? That's just crazy.
2: And normally I don't like to talk about that off-field stuff, but I mean, this if any team should be, you know, extra cautious with, with the players past history. It would certainly seem to be Kansas city and they're anything, but they're going all in actually. I mean, I don't know. They're just, they're lo- They're loading up on them, but let's talk some baseball lists. Uh, you can make fun of me here. I was the, uh, the, the, I bid four twenty on Cole Tucker. I'm, I'm high on him. Uh, I was the high bidder in the main event uh, yeah. on him. I needed speed very much. So, don't love that he's already batting eighth. I've uh, read some stuff I, on you know prospect guys that know more than me showed up a little bit bulkier this year, like maybe some power. I really, really need speed, and that's the that's the key here. I, I felt like stolen bases are even harder than saves entering the free agent pool, and a guy had forty seven two years ago, thirty five last year already had five this year. seemingly going you know he has the job there. The guys are placing Eric Gonzalez you know sixty day d l he's their, one of their best prospects, good defensive player. So it ended up being higher than I needed to. I think the highest next one in my league was like 286. Like I said, the highest literally in the whole main event, uh, 420. But um, that's probably, probably mistake. In our league, I got him at 80 and the next highest was 79. And that was just, I'm running out of money in that one. Funny in our league, my, my hitting has just been a disaster. And I spent all my, all my, you know, capital on them. So what are you, do you have any interesting bids? I know you probably want to talk about Jose Ramirez. I heard you talk about him on the show and then he went out and, and, and went deep today. So. Have any baseball
0: thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like it was. I'm gonna pat myself on the back for saying Jose Ramirez, a first round pick, wasn't gonna stay being one of the worst hitters in baseball all year. And he hit a home run and a steal. That was nice to see. um Yeah, I I think he should be pretty much fine. Obviously, you can't undo the stats that he's gotten for you. The league that we're in, I'm I'm doing so badly in my NFBC leagues. I'm in last in both 15 teamers. I'm in tenth in one of the 12 team beat Chris Lisses. And unfortunately for you and the one that we bet on, I'm in sixth and you're in 10th. The other one, I'm, I wouldn't say being in sixth is good. It's basically dead center, <laughs> dead average. But it's the only one that has a pulse. And uh, it's the one that we bet on, and you're in 10th. But it is early. And I just think, you know, you look at Jose Ramirez, a good week could turn his season around. And I've got a lot of Chris Bryant and Jose Ramirez and Yasiel Puig who hit a home run last night. It's starting to warm up. I'm, I'm a little pissed because I drafted uh Rymel Tapia in, in both the fifteens yeah. and I dropped him in both and now he looks like he's gonna be really valuable. You know, a lot of times this happens in football even more, but the idea that like, okay, well, I'm gonna draft Tapia. What a good prospect! you know, what a good like stash for cores. It's not a good draft pick if you can't hold him long enough to use him. You know, and yeah. after the first week where he wasn't really being used at all. And then even Dahl got hurt and he still wasn't really being used regularly. It was sort of like okay, they just don't like this guy, and maybe they still won't, and Desmond will come back and get regular time. But man, you know that that hurts. I, I hate the drops that of players that were good. I also I drafted Tuki Toussaint Saint in the twentieth round, then I dropped him when he got sent down. Then I saw him get seven strikeouts and like three you know three innings of relief. So then I picked him up for ten percent of my budget. Then I put him in my lineup, and he gave up seven runs in an inning. Then I dropped him for Lucas Giolito, who I had already, who, who I'd, I dropped Giolito for Toussaint the week before. That was who I dropped. And then I dropped Toussaint for Giolito. And I'm pretty sure that I will probably see Giolito get shelled the next time I put him in my lineup and probably drop him back for Toussaint when he gets called up again.
2: Yeah, I just added Tapia and the Yahoo Friends and Family League are no longer in this morning. Um, who knows? Maybe he's nothing more than a fourth outfielder, very smallish kind of guy. But he has some speed, uh, certainly playing well lately. Ian Desmond is just so bad and obviously the course field factor. I have Vladimir Guerrero stashed in multiple leagues. So that that will be nice whenever he eventually gets called, which obviously going to be imminent. Um, and I noticed this is a guy I did not target. But for some reason, in like three leagues, I have Jose Aguilar. Like, And I've just been so stubborn with guys like that, just leaving in my lineup. But clearly I can't anymore. What a disaster! I mean, add Eric Thames if he's somehow still available in your lineup. I, I mean, your league. Cause I I like that guy. I mean, obviously, the fits going to platoon. You want the lefty, and Aguilar was really bad the second half last year and kind of came out of nowhere at that stage of his career. So that was just a terrible, terrible pick in hindsight.
0: Yeah, I was. He was a fade for me. One of the few things I've gotten right this year is, is not drafting him. And I do have Eric Thames in my life, not just in my leagues. Dalton. So just so you know, but keep it. You know, keep it on the down yeah, low. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, all my justifications for all this all this stuff is all just bullshit anyway, right? Oh, well, I like him because, you know, he hit well before the juiced ball or this guy did this because of that and all the shit you say to make your case for a player you like, it doesn't mean anything once the season starts. You know, the season started, who the hell knows? I I honestly, like with the pitchers, last week I vehemently argued with you that, that my strategy was actually ideal because you know, pitching was very hard to, to figure out. And so the aces were super key. And then you, you know, then, then I'll be part of the free for all that you're part of, but at least I have like these stable aces to, you know, lock down sort of a base of stats. And that might still be true, but at the same time, it's like the best pitchers now are like Tyler glass. Now, Luis Castillo, it's like totally random. And if it's totally random, then you wanted to do what you did and get hitting because the, the only reason to pay for a commodity is if it's, if they're, you know, not just that it's valuable, obviously pitching's just as valuable as hitting in these leagues, but that it's predictable. Like, if it's not predictable, it doesn't matter how valuable it is. There's no point in investing it. You may as well just try to get lucky, which is sort of what you did. So, so I'm sort of getting more at a loss. When Scherzer's getting shelled by the Marlins, then you wonder, you know, is there anybody worth paying for? And it could just turn on a dime. You know, next week, you know, whoever's doing well could get shelled. And in that case, you just really do want a free-for-all and just... Gamble on a whole bunch of random pitchers.
2: Yeah, I mean, DeGrom, you know, there's a scare there. Snell, it banged up. Carrasco banged up. Chris Sale, velocity down last start. Scherzer has the highest babbitt allowed in, in baseball, obviously. Hopefully that's just a luck thing, but I don't know. It does seem like those top starting pitchers are kind of going exactly where I feared they were. But then again, Zach Wheeler looked, obviously looks really strong, and you named guys like Luis Castillo. So I don't know what to make of it all, but it does seem to me like starting pitchers, I'm certainly not regretting avoiding them through one month of the season. I'll tell you that much of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would have been better if you didn't take such horrible hitters with all your premium picks, but the strategy might have been right. I still think it's going to wind up that the best pitchers are going to be the most reliable and there'll be sort of a smattering of random guys doing well. Uh, It's interesting, like, you know, James Paxton has been really good the last two starts, but he always gets hurt. And it's just weird. So I, I guess I got to see another month or two of data, but it is a just a very weird year. And I've talked myself into even more finding those middle relievers and not messing around with low end starters. Like I just I feel like whatever it is, if you find a Matt Boyd or you got Castillo or you got guys that in the middle rounds that are doing well or the, or the later rounds, great. But do not mess around with. Eric Swanson you know let's let's use him for the week like it, it that that kind of stuff is just disastrous and I'm going to get as many I'm going to get as many Zach Brittons and whoever that, that I can and just and just see whether I can get an, as many strikeouts almost as the guy who's getting a crap starter who's getting shell out of the game by the fourth inning and uh, you know with with my reliever and, and hopefully you have three or four middle relievers and you can use teams that have a seven game week and you know you're probably going to get three or four games out of them, and you probably will come close to getting as many strikeouts as a bad one-start starter.
2: That's interesting, um, because our, our strategies basically could not be more different. I, I don't have one middle reliever on any of my teams. I typically have 12 to 14 starting pitchers, and I'm just playing the matchup. So I was actually very upset that I missed out on Eric Swanson in my main event team. Malik Smith totally gave away a homer to Hedges. That's That was BS run there, but uh, he, I don't know if you saw it. But he literally knocked a fly ball over for a homer in that start. But you might very well be right. Obviously, the ball is juiced again, and these mediocre starters could could destroy your ERA. But I just really think that playing matchups uh, matters. Matters more so there. That's why I like the volume. But, but so you, matchups so you don't help you.
0: The matchups only. I mean, Scherzer and Degrom got shelled by the Marlins. I mean, there, there's no matchup that's You're safe. Look how many home samples. runs. You know, Renato Nunez has and Dwight Smith has and the, or, all the Orioles have. Look, look how many home runs, you know, Hunter Dozier has and Alex Gordon has. I mean, you can't just go into those things and say, OK, yeah, no problem. It's the Orioles. The Orioles can't hurt you. Yeah, it's going to be fine.
2: Yeah, I'm not saying it's perfect. And you, you're just pointing out, you know, specific examples. But I will say with this strategy, you know, I typically have like 75 percent of my starts I'm making or home starts. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but. I don't think there's a perfect resolution to this, but uh, that's been my strategy, and it's quite clearly very different than yours. So you're, you're starting middle relievers in, in your NFC teams.
0: Yeah, well, the 12 is harder, but the 15, I'm going to do more and more of that, yeah. Like, so right. my, my point is you're, you're going to have 20 pitchers or 15 pitchers that you never take out, and then you're going to have another 15 to 20, you know, if you were to rank them, that are, in it, you know, are pretty much in except in really terrible matchups. And then there's like 30 more, that are usable, but only in good matchups, and so basically you're not going to have enough pitchers to cover if the if the criteria is that strict, you're just not going to have enough starting pitching to fill all the slots so when you don't meet the criteria, you use one of your middle relievers rather than one of your starters or rather than picking up a streamer. That's sort of the idea
2: yeah. We'll we'll see how that goes because we're definitely going different paths there. It might not matter either way because both are all of our offenses suck, or at least mine does. I'm Not speak for you. No, mine's, but mine's been I, pretty I, bad I too. I currently did the world's worst job of drafting hitters that you couldn't even. I mean, you couldn't even. You couldn't try harder and, and pick more, more scrubs of the the Ryan Bronze uh, of the world of uh, Kyle Schwarber. Just name any guys that's off to horrific starts, and i pretty much own shares of them. Posey, well, whatever. Well, the other
0: problem with your oh. strategy is that there's so much free loot for the hitter. There's hitters just coming out of the woodwork. You mentioned Thames, but I mentioned Renato Nunez, Alex Gordon, Jason Hayward. There's all sorts of guys who are just free. I mean, it's like, yeah, you spend a lot on Cole Tucker because he can run, but maybe steals are harder to come by because no one wants to run anymore because why would you run if the next guy's going to hit a home run anyway? Why would you risk an out? It doesn't matter what base you're on.
2: Yeah, it's it just guys coming out of like the woodwork. The first time that teams are averaging fewer than one steal per game since like the early 70s or something.
0: Yeah. But like everybody is hitting. I mean, anybody you anybody that comes up is all of a sudden like, oh, we should check if this guy's good. A guy can hit a home run one game. I'm going to pick him up if he if he has a chance to stick in the lineup, because it's easy to hit a home run now. All you got to do is hit a fly ball.
2: Yeah, I, I dude, believe me, I, I hear you. Uh, I don't know. Are you are you reaching the point of frustration? He's still in the let's say, uh, stay calm mode. I mean, the league we're in together, I have a 16 in, in offense, and I didn't draft a starting pitcher until, you know, round 14. Have, <laughs> That's yeah, really... I have, I mean, Gary Sanchez, Yadier Molina, Freddie Freeman, Carlos Correa, Justin Turner, McCutcheon, Mike Trout, wow. uh, Nelson Cruz. I mean, these are, I mean, it's uh, Ruth, Odor, Dickerson, I mean, Charlie Marte, Travis Shaw. I mean, it's just kind of humorous, really. I mean, it's kind of funny. was funny. If it wasn't, be... so, if it wasn't uh, you know, if I wasn't laughing, list, I'd be crying.
0: Yeah, that, that's sort of how I feel. But uh, that that is funny that you that you spent you had like a budget for hitting. Let's say it was a two hundred sixty dollar budget. You spent like two hundred thirty of it on hitting, and the average team spent like hundred sixty. And you're being <laughs> your two hundred sixty got you less. It's, it's crazy. It is really crazy. But I my hitting has been terrible. Like my main event first pick, Jose Ramirez. Second pick, Garrett Cole, who got destroyed this week. Third pick, Chris Bryant, who's been terrible. Fourth pick, Yasil Puig has been terrible. Though he finally hit a home run. Fifth pick was uh, Gleyber Torres, who has been okay. He got a, he got cheated out of a home run when it was called fan interference. It really pissed me off. It was a home run. Yeah. Sixth pick was Corey Seager, who's been eh, he's okay, nothing special. Seventh pick was Turner. Eighth pick was Joey Gallo, who's the only good player on my team. Ninth pick was Severino. Tenth pick was Malik Smith. Who's Sucks stealing some bases. Sucks. But like, I have
2: him. Ton of him too. Ton of him too. He's so. Boring. I mean, Gallo's like, going to three hundred this year. I'm. going to hit three hundred this year. I'm going to murder someone. It's so frustrating.
0: Well, I got Gallo in a couple. So those are the only good picks I made. But so, so that's it. And then you know, I got a uh, Avoidus, avoidus Viscaino um in <laughs> yeah. two leagues. That was bad. The Braves didn't say anything about his shoulder. David Robertson was my other closer in the main event. And then I got, I got Alex Colomay. the only one standing. But I did go big on. Ryan Brazier, so that was one thing that I did right, but you know, I mean, you gotta hit, your team's gotta hit you know, you need the hitting, and it just hasn't happened yet, and I don't have anybody really outperforming, I think it's not just that my stars aren't hitting, because I think other teams are getting by with that it's that lots of teams picked up the Hunter Dozers and Renato Nunezes and all those guys, and they're getting production, you know, it's like Jock Peterson, all these dudes it's not just the Clay Bellingers and, and Christian Yelichs, it's having you know four or five home runs a night half of which are coming from random people and i'm getting yeah, jay
2: bruce or whatever jay all bruce those guys yeah. yeah dan yeah.
0: vogel i mean yeah. like i'm just not getting that either is the problem and so i'm not i didn't do well on the low end and my high end guys are starting slow okay the high end guys are going to pick up but you just can't it's not enough to carry you these days you need you need like everybody doing it at this point
2: totally all right man i'm done with baseball for now you ready for some random stuff Sure. Sure. All right. So Game of Thrones, episode two, your thoughts?
0: Even worse than episode one. I mean, embarrassingly bad. But Heather was getting annoyed and saying, you know, why are you even watching it? If you're just going to complain, just stop watching. And I talked about the XM show and some guys like, I agree with Heather, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, I, I understand that. But first off, I'm I'm so far in and I feel like i just it's like, you don't want to leave the movie halfway through, you know, three quarters of the way through, just, even though it's terrible, you're just going to see how it ends. Secondly, there, I take a little bit of perverse pleasure in how bad it is now. Like, it's almost, it mostly, I hate it, but there's a tiny part of me that's like, look how terrible it is. It's like, it's like making me like, it's like a cringe scene in a movie that you, you're cringing, but you kind of enjoy the cringe. The thing that's really, I mean, I'll tell you a couple scenes, like, Brienne is being knighted by, what's his name? And it's this emotional scene. It's like, dude, Jamie, what the yeah. fuck? That was so stupid. Oh, so it's the last day that this, this ceremony is important. Title is important. Status is important now. That's the message. And she's like, we like, she's like a warrior. The, the whole thing about it is like how much dignity and whatever these people have. And now the message is let's have a sentimental music playing while and and tears shed while she becomes a knight like she gets like the status symbol or something like that like how fucking stupid is that that's so out of keeping with the six seasons where you have this kind of hard boiled show that's all about real life the the dark age that they're in it's it's not this ceremonial bullshit i, mean, I was really bad and then just all the bantery bullshit between like the hounds and giants
2: milk the giant's milk story.
0: I'm down with the giant's milk I would buy some of that okay. at the store actually <laughs> that was the okay. only thing i it was dumb though right like it makes that yeah. guy just seem like a i mean a it, it character it's it, it, just like it's just like cheap hollywood bullshit it, it's like when, when a movie opens in Hollywood like at the start of a movie they do these they have these techniques for Establishing that the character is a nice guy, so you'll see a guy coming home. He's depressed. It's dark out, and there'll be sort of a stray alley cat, and he'll put out some food for the cat, and that'll be like that'll be their quick device of saying, "Oh, he's a nice guy." Like it, it just shows you who he is without like having you know that that's like they just do stuff like that to like win sympathy from the audience, and I feel like this whole thing is just such a one unending pander. It's like they're pandering to this. You know what the dumbest character is? That twelve-year-old girl. Okay, enough. Like last year, they, they had her like stand up and be willing to fight, and for some reason, she's their leader. I mean, a twelve year old your leader, you know? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. But okay, it is what it is. But then, like, they have to add yet another scene where she's telling Jorah, "No, I'm not going to go into the you know catacombs and hide. I want to fight." It's like pander, 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 pander. Why was that scene necessary? Like,
2: why was? Did that... you not like the call? Did you not like what? the callback of the th- the things we do for love? Did you not like that callback?
0: No, what was? What do you mean? The things we did for love of
2: the call? Well, that, that yeah, to, you know, Brand says that to Jamie. That's literally what Jamie says when he pushed him out of the window in the first uh, first yes. episode. But um, I, I thought, I thought it was, that, that was
0: fine. That was okay. I mean, it's it's not really. The show's never been about like the witty banter. That's really not what it's about. It's a hard boiled, dark show. And then maybe once every four episodes, the Hound would say something super deadpan that was like really dark. And then you'd be like, that was a great line. But now it's just like, oh, now they're all bantering with each other. They're all yeah. like reuniting. They're all shaking hands and giving each other crap and acting like, you know, it's a big reunion for everybody before the battle.
2: It's funny. Stephen King went out of his way to say, this may look easy to, to bring all these characters together like this, but I assure you it's not. But I see other people with similar complaints and all of yours is fair I get a little bit more annoyed when people call it boring because I'm very different in that aspect. I'll be the one who will be bored during next week's episode when it's 90 minutes of war, uh, the action. That stuff interests me less. But I get it. They are pandering to the audience. I was going to say it before even use that specific term. I guess I'm a little bit more of a sucker for it than you, and I'm, I'm more okay with it. But um, I, I, those are all fair, it, it, fair criticism. But I do think at this point you're falling for the... What could satisfy you at this point? I, mean, was this, I don't know. Do you think this show's dialogue was always was great? I mean, I don't know. I, think no, it's I still mean, super the, the
0: show used to be the hound stealing gold from this family that took them in. And Arya is saying, why would you do that? Yeah, that's all their money. And he said, someone's going to take it if I don't. And then a while later, they show them having committed suicide while they're starving to death. You know, like that was Game of Thrones. They showed people's family members watching as like another family member was being tortured by having a rat lit on fire in the bag and chewing through them. That was Game of
1: Thrones. You know, it was not sentimental. It was hardcore. It was like the hardest core of the hardcore. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card, get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cashback, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
0: And, you know, you, you'd be reading for Ned Stark throughout the whole thing, and then boom, his head gets chopped off. The Red Wedding was like, a, it was shocking. And it wasn't sentimental at all. There was no heroic thing in the Red Wedding. Were there heroes? Were there people heroically trying to save people? Not really. The only thing they did was what's her name? The mother, the stark wife, slit one woman's throat in like a futile act of revenge before she died, right? Didn't she do that? Killed one one of them. But like there was no orchestral music sentimentality crap at all. You know, and that's why it was good. Because it wasn't pandering. And that's why it got popular, because it was good. And now that it's popular, some fucking idiot who's obviously, you know, in charge of a lot of the show is like, all right, well, here's what we need, here are the notes we need to hit. And the writers are just doing their bidding. And why do writers in Hollywood say, oh, you know, why do they make I've talked to us on the radio, Faster than Furious eight. Why do they make eight versions of that shit? Because they have nothing left. They have no no idea what to do. So what they do is they option these books that are good books written by creative people and they Mm -hmm. get ideas to make movies with. Well, the guy who was the creative force behind the books is no longer writing this. It's not even adapted from his work. So it's a bunch of hacks and this is a result. And so what would satisfy me, I mean, it's, it's not my job to tell them what to write, right? I'm, I'm not the writer of this would just be stay true to the, to the tone and themes of the show. And they're not. They're turning into some Hollywood schlock. Most shows go south when they get big because they start to pander, or because they lose focus, or whatever. But you know, Breaking Bad ended. It ended the way it started. Good. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't get caught up in how big it was. And you know, some of the shows, the the Americans, I thought ended pretty well. Some shows can pull it off. This show is not even trying to pull it off. It's trying to do the opposite. Is dumbed down version for the. For the vast audience that it has
2: well i'd like to revisit this uh next week i guess next week's episode they spent months filming and uh it's going to be certainly epic the uh the battle scenes and whatnot i got my prediction is i'm kind of buying into the fan theory that the night king is is not going there he's gonna end up in king's landing but uh but we'll see and i, I that's why i brought it up because I, I figured you'd have a strong take and um well i'll say this shitting on game of Thrones. It's, Go oh, ahead,
0: yeah, say I I I think Jamie Lannister and like Reek all the my guess, I mean I could be wrong about this, but is that all the characters that did bad things that came back for redemption are going to die. Like that, those are going to be the first ones. All the ones like who did very very bad things and they're now like trying to make amends. They're going to die and it's going to be super heroic and they're going to save some other important character and there'll be a lot of orchestral music. That's my prediction. All right.
2: Next thing I want to bring up, I am DVRing Jeopardy every night these days. I don't know if you've been following along, but have you have you heard about this professional sports gambler who's just dominating?
0: Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Alex Trebek having cancer. Um, I uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I haven't. Well, what's the what's the deal with yeah,
2: that? Yeah, yeah. He's a professional sports gambler. Um, that is, that does suck about Trebek for sure. But, you know, what's, uh, what's nice is that, uh, he's never going they're going to be higher ratings, in Jeopardy than right now because of this guy. Not only has he set the, uh, the highest single game record, uh, with ease, but he made it a specific amount. It was like his daughter's birthday. But this guy is averaging on a night more than the previous single high game record. I mean, he's, he's going to beat Ken Jennings' his total in half the amount of days. It's, it's absolutely insane. He starts from the, the highest to the bottom, and he searches for the daily doubles, and he goes big on every daily double. It's, it's remarkable, and it's super entertaining, and I, I, I would DVR Jeopardy these, these days. He's, he's a professional sports gambler, got this really awkward smile, but just killing it. it it's, it's really impressive. Again, averaging more, averaging, than the previous single-game record in Jeopardy. Yeah, they should
0: bring out like Ken Jennings you know, and like, get, let him be one of the contestants.
2: Yeah, he, he, I'm sure that will lead to that. But even he said that, you know, it's unfair. 15 years ago, Ken Jennings is not the same as he is now, he said. Right. like an athlete, you know. That's right. totally true. I took an IQ test, dated a girl who was a psychotic guy. I, like, I took an IQ test way back today. And I, they actually grade those on scales. And, and your age, 20 to 24, is supposedly your peak. Your your mental acuity is the highest there. So, so yeah, he said, basically, he's saying, no, I wouldn't have a chance. But they def- definitely play differently. Um, and I probably will eventually have some tournament of champions. But... This guy may never lose, but it's pretty, uh, it's, it's really, it's, it's pretty interesting. Next, well, he's,
0: he's a professional gambler. Like, what do you mean? What kind of gambler? Like sports betting or
2: sports? Yes. Lives in Las Vegas and okay. sports betting. Yes. Okay. Um, so, uh, I went to, uh, San Francisco, uh, over the weekend, Cobb's comedy club. saw my Adam Carolla, one of my favorite comedians, but I wanted to mostly talk about Angler. I found this restaurant, supposedly, Leo, uh, was rated the best new restaurant in America. Obviously, it's hyperbole, uh, would be sure a lot have that claim, but dude, it. was, it was awesome. And I'm going to probably break out Instagram for the first time just to, to to shoot some, uh, to to put up some, some food. Don't use Instagram. Don't use Instagram. I'm not supposed to use Facebook, so Instagram neither. huh?
0: No, it's owned by Facebook. Just don't use the Facebook products. Just put it on Twitter. That whole, that whole company is so evil. I just don't do it.
2: Yeah, I saw there's another long, a long article that I have a uh, bookmark that I want to read up on, on Facebook, but Antelope Tartar was one of the best, uh, nice. uh, absolutely one of the best hors d'oeuvres I've ever had. And then this waiter talked, talked me and my buddy into Radicchio salad, um, which is served with a steak knife and bibs because it was, it looked like a bloody mess. It's hard to explain. That's why the picture here will do, do, do more justice. And then there was a, hundred and sixty dollar ribeye my buddy got i love the fact that they didn't even ask you how to prepare it he's like they didn't even ask i'm like i'm pretty sure they're not going to bring it back medium well they don't even give you that option um and that was that was awesome my crab they had the, they cut out the whole shell they put the butter in the the, the main the body crazy good dessert but uh, yeah ant, ant, angler it's called in san francisco one of the better meals i've had um, in recent memory and now i want to get to the the list stuff more so like i, I see you on on twitter you kind of brought up more of a general topic about your inability to have candid conversations about politics these days. And I saw a little talk about who's this guy, Mike Gravel, um, another one. And, uh, and I want to ask you about that. And then, and then end it with the Kim Jong-un and Putin meeting tomorrow. Do you have any thoughts on, on that stuff? Uh,
0: I don't really know about Putin and Kim Jong-il cause I saw that, but I don't know what that means or what, what that even could, could do, but,
2: I'll, not Ill, but yeah, I'll, not ill.
0: Yeah. Kim Jong-un, but uh, I, I don't know what that, I don't know what the meaning of that.
2: So said the candid conversation, you're struggling. It's I thinning. feel like
0: uh, this podcast, it's really interesting, this podcast, because it's, you know, people can listen or not, but when you're, we're actually with people, I feel like a lot of people that I'm with, they, they kind of have a religion, and it's, it's sort of like if we were 500 years ago, and they, be- you know, people believed in God and the Pope, and everything, you know, was a certain way, and if you were like, well, actually, I actually don't believe that it wouldn't just be like, oh, okay, well, he's an atheist, or he doesn't believe that. It would be like, you might get strung up. You know what I mean? Like, you're not just not allowed to not believe that. I'm not sure exactly if, if that would have happened 600 years ago, but, you know, in, in the ages where sort of, relig- you know, the, the priesthood was like, they were sort of the messengers of God, and you had to do what they said, it wasn't really an option to be a heretic and not believe it. And you know, apparently Socrates was poisoned because he kept having these dialogues with people that he was trying to open their eyes to things, and they did not like that. And then, you know, in the, you know, the Middle Ages, all this stuff, too. And then we're in the Enlightenment, and now people can have different religions, and nobody really... Everyone's sort of like, wow, it's crazy that you couldn't just not agree with believing God back in the day and, or, you know, have a different take on something, and it was so heretical. But I feel like I used to look back and be like, God, those people were so ignorant. I can't believe it was like that back then. Like why, who cares what anyone else thinks? But I feel today like politics and scientism, not science, but scientism, the belief that whatever authority figures who believe in a certain type of science think is uh, absolutely a hundred percent true. I think there's, there's a bunch of beliefs that they're they're as though they're religious. Political beliefs are like that now. And the, the tribalism is so strong that they assume you're one of them, you know? Oh, you know, you know, your daughter goes to this school you you know you're in this circles with us. So you must believe all the things we believe like it's the it's the religion right and if you even scratch the surface of some of the disagreements or i don't really believe you know about health like that I don't think grains are good for you. I think meat's much better for you, and I think the whole Lancet study about how people need to eat more grains and stuff is is actually being funded by i mean it, it is being funded by Nestle and these corporations that may products that are not from, you know, they're artificial products that they can make huge profits on, you know, people get mad. They don't like it. They don't, they're like, what do you mean that Lancet studies false? That's what, you know, that's what's healthy for the planet. And, and that's just the most benign example. But I just feel like it's, it's almost like there's these religions and I've just, the the last 10 years, 20 years, I've always been skeptical, but the last 10 or 20 years, my eyes have opened up so much to like how much bullshit is out there. I mean that most of what we believe about what the government's doing, about what the president's doing, about what the congress is doing, about what the financial system is doing, about, you know, what Amazon or Facebook or any of these corporations that we just took for granted is like, oh yeah, those are just the big companies that, you know, obviously they make money and what it we've been lied to so much. It's such it's so false what's happened. And I I feel like I I can't even go there because it's it's people are so wrapped up in all their identities and all of their beliefs that it's like going to cause a big fight. Like you're a heretic, you're saying something against God, you're saying something against the order. And I I told him, I talked to my friend about a good friend of mine and he's just like, yeah, man, I just keep my mouth shut these
2: days. Which is horrible, but it's, I, I can understand why I mean I do the same and I'm, I'm around a lot of people in my area that definitely differ for me politically for sure. So just the general, uh, my community. So I, I, and that's, that is the, the easiest way out is just to not bring it up because who wants, who wants the, the argument, you know? I mean, but, but it's kind but, of,
0: then that, but you can't be friends. You can only be friends with somebody on a surface level because you yeah. can't talk about real shit, right? You can only be friends with them. Oh, you play basketball with them, play tennis or something. That's fine. That's fun. But you can't really, it, it, if you have a bunch of drinks and you start talking real stuff, it's going to be a problem. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I can't be friends with you. I can be, you know, friendly with you, but I can't be friends with you because we can't have a serious conversation. It's not possible. It'd be like in the 1600s. I, you know, I just don't believe in God. Sorry, I don't believe what you believe. And nowadays, that's not a problem, obviously, but it's, it's a different thing. But it's sort of like if somebody doesn't believe in that. And by the way, I'm actually, I'd be way more comfortable with somebody who was just religious and believing God. That to me, that's not even a problem because these days people don't they don't care. But but my, my main point is that you know, for all the sort of talk about tolerance and and there are many things that are more, much more tolerated now than say 20 years ago or certainly 100 years ago. There's a huge intolerance in different areas. And and I feel like there it's there's just sort of not um a diversity of opinion and a diversity of belief that that's possible. And I I it's a huge loss and I feel like there's a lot of people out there that, that actually are open-minded, but it's kind of you got to feel them out because you don't know who's in the cult and who's going to report you and who's yeah. not. So I always feel like, okay, uh, this is a cult person. I can deal with them on a certain level, you know, just basic stuff. But, but beyond that, like I, I can't unwash their brain, and there's no reasoning or arguing that's going to um, be able to persuade them.
2: I hear you, and it seems to only be growing that, that way. It seems to only be but getting when I worse. say this stuff— I don't know the answer.
0: When I say this stuff, people who hear it or when I post it on Twitter, they think, yeah. So some democratic leading person will be like, yeah, the Republicans, you can't talk to them. And some republican leading <laughs> person will be like, yeah, <laughs> the like Democrats, the, uh, you can't talk to point, them. But I'm not really talking about that, actually. It's not really about that. It's it, it's I, there's There's plenty of people who support Trump, and I don't support Trump— that I can have a perfectly civil conversation with, and there's plenty of people who don't support Trump, um, but who you can, I can also have a good conversation with about our disagreements about certain things. But that's not the problem. The problem is I feel like certain beliefs are such sacred cows. It's like religious edicts, and I, you know, I just gave you that one about like you know the, that oh eating meat's going to ruin the planet or whatever, and and I just I feel like there's so many topics you just can't get into because those topics are part of like their identity. It's like, I'm a a pescatarian who is for this kind of system, who believes in these things and absolutely hates Trump and five other things that they believe. And like, if you touch on those things, it's a fight because it's not just what they think, which is fine. I mean, why should you like Trump? I mean, I I don't like the guy, but it's sort of like, it's part of their identity. You know, it's not my identity to dislike trump and if he does something good like if he were able to make it seems like it failed peace with north korea i would be glad about that right and i'm glad that the mueller report came out showing that he is not a putin asset i'm glad that that came out although people still insist i don't know what it's like it it's like the report said the opposite for some people but that doesn't matter i don't care about that I, I'm not, it's not part of my identity to hate him. I just don't like a lot of his policies. I think some of the stuff is terrible, like vetoing the, the Congress said let's stop giving money for the war in Yemen. And he vetoed that. I think that's terrible, but it's, it's not my part of my identity to hate him. I hate him based on like policies. You know, And I, I wouldn't even say hate. I hate him as much as I hate the other presidents based on their shitty, aggressive, war policies, not because it's who I am. And And I think like, all of this stuff is caught up in people's identities. And so if you criticize something or say, I don't agree with that, that's just not true. It's like world war three and it gets really personal because they think you're attacking their identity.
2: Yeah, I absolutely do not think one side is more at fault. And the reason that I, one of my favorite things about your takes on politics is just your open mindedness. And I just can't stand this, my team versus yours mentality we have right now in society. So yeah why yeah, exactly. why are people upset about the Mueller report? I, I, you just I forget the whole wasted two and a half years of resources and all that, but oh, we wanted it to be that that's what you wanted to be that was nefarious oh, I just desperately. Don't they desperately that. wanted I mean, to it is just yeah that is bizarre and backward thinking literally it's backward it's anno- yeah, B- because it's very they got, frustrating and it, it's wrong. They're,
0: they're in a cult you know it's like a cult that told you that the truth was that the president was a Manchurian candidate being manipulated from abroad. And the reason you know, they joined the cult was because they couldn't accept that the sort of order of things, the neoliberal order did not get ratified by the voters. Like they couldn't believe that someone would say, no, the way shit is, it's just terrible. And the person you were nominating was terrible. And the same thing happened with Brexit. People are like, no, nobody wants this. Or not nobody, it was like 50-50, but like a substantial amount of people do not want this. They don't like the way things are. And, and so they're like, oh, they're the deplorables. They're, you know, they're, they're the, they just write off half the population. And it's part of their identity. You know, what do they do next? Well, the media and the people you know, behind it, and I don't know who it is exactly, they started to use that sense of you know, deni- you know, denial and disbelief and sort of keep you know, kept building this narrative around, like, no, this isn't possible. People really couldn't have voted this. That must have been hacked. The election must have been cheated. There must have been some and, and so then they said, well, and in fact, he's a Russian spy. You know, they, they took it to another step. And then people are wrapped up in the identity of this is this is what I believe. You know, this is what I this is who I am. I believe this. And I think we're playing with fire here. And it's like I just read this book that's actually really good called Snow Crash. It's written in 1992, sci-fi novel. And it's pretty deep. I mean, the characters are kind of comic booky, but the themes are really deep. And one of them is just about how information can—you know—a vi- virus like computer viruses, just information. And so it was like a DNA-based virus, information. And it, you know, part of the problem that was going on in the in the story was that viruses were corrupting people's minds, the way your hard drive could get corrupted. And I feel like this sort of disinformation campaign that's come from like the intelligence communities and from the networks and everything, it's almost like it's spread a virus to people. It's and in the book it describes it really well. I mean this is nineteen ninety two, so it was totally different, but it's amazing how prescient the guy was. And it's like I th- I think I'm talking to people and I'm like, you have a, a brain virus. Like you can't even you can't even acknowledge something like, oh yeah, actually the Mueller report said he was kind of a scumbag and tried to get out of this, but at the same time like there was zero proof or evidence of Russian collusion. Like there was just that's just the fact. But the virus in their mind is not letting them even acknowledge that. And and I think it's and it's it's caught up in who they are their identity. So it's it's a messed up time. It's it's we're in a messed up situation. I I I don't understand it. I'm just trying to reach the people that whose brains don't have the virus, you know, they're just like yeah, I people who disagree with me, who agree with me, I don't care. Just your brain isn't subject to a virus where you're identifying with these beliefs that you've been told to think by God knows who, you know, for what reason or what motive, and that you're just adopting it like you know, somebody who believed whatever the pope said or whatever you know, the local priest said. I, I feel like that's where we're at. And I'm, I'm talking about fundamental beliefs, and I don't want to get into too many here because they're very, very controversial, but question everything, and I mean everything. I mean every single thing that you think, oh, those idiots, they don't know what they're talking about. They're arguing this. Question your side of it.
2: That's the healthiest thing to do. And I couldn't agree more, man. I, I totally keep preaching that because it's only getting any worse the other way, as far as I can tell.
0: Yeah. You and I can have a conversation. It's the shit that we can't say even on the podcast. You and I can have a conversation. You might not agree. I might not agree. I might say, yeah, maybe that idea is not true, but we can have the conversation. You're not going to be like, turn me in. You know, you're not going to say, Oh, Oh, you, you broached that topic. Oh no, 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 no. I got to turn you in. And it is important To find like-minded people who can have conversations, and not be part of this religious cult, and and I feel
2: and 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 even not like-minded people, just the people that can have these conversations if they aren't like-minded. Right? No, I mean like-minded.
0: Right? You could totally disagree with me. You might think my politics are idiotic. That's fine. That's one hundred percent fine. But like-minded in the sense that they're like, oh yeah, you think that? Nah, I don't agree. What 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 evidence do you have? Let's let's have like a a considered discussion about, you know, what's true and what's false, even the most fundamental things. And the people I consider my good friends are the people I can have that conversation with, the people that the second you spring it up, it's like they look at you like you're some kind of heretic. I, I would feel like, you know, I will never be good friends with you because you, these people are, they, they have the virus and they have, they have to get well first before we can, you know, really get beyond just sort of a, a very, uh, you know, perfunctory, <laughs> casual sort of, friendliness, you know? And, and so it's like, okay, I got to, You got to be judicious who you even talk to.
2: And having said that, it's not super easy. I mean, obviously politics and religion, you know, they're tough topics and people get emotional, myself included. And I took me a while to have a very close friend who's very different on the political spectrum. And we couldn't, we got to a point where we couldn't talk, you know, five years ago, but both improved in that area immensely since then. And not only is it just better for our friendship and just talking, but I learned that my side isn't always right. And the other side, which may have seemed extremely opposite to me had valid points. And I decided to shut up and learn and listen. And, and, and even if you think they're coming from a, a, a completely opposite side of you, they, there, there's going to be some truths there. And the best way to learn is to listen. And I've actually, I like people that are different than me more so in this, in that sense, actually. And, and and really trying to learn why they think that way more, you know? So I think it's possible. Um, it's certainly not easy, but, uh, keep, keep preaching list.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I hope so. You want to be careful when you're hanging out with friends. Careful is not, that's not the uh, mode you want to be in, you know? Yeah. Obviously everyone should be, have some carefulness, not to be a total asshole to somebody else for no reason, but you don't want to have to be careful of what you say or what topics you bring up or, Oh, that's a sensitive thing. Oh, that's something they really identify with, and we really shouldn't be talking about that. First of all, stop fucking identify. It doesn't matter what I say, because only the people who already don't identify would get this point, but stop fucking identifying with shit. It's like with your party, with your... This, everyone's like identifying with this thing, so like this belief that I'm criticizing, oh, no, no, that's my identity. I mean, if you no want to be a vegan, great. Be a vegan. I, I honestly think anyone who wants to be should. I don't think it's healthy for the long term might be good for like a cleanse or something, but I don't think for the long term, but maybe I'm wrong. And maybe you love it and you want to do it. That's your business. Of course, you should be a vegan. But if we're going to talk about whether veganism or meat is healthy, don't get angry. It's not, it's not something you need to get angry about. You might disagree. You could say, no, I just don't think the evidence shows that. But it's not, it's not an attack on your identity, okay? It's just not. And I feel like if someone wants to say, well, oh, you know, you eat a lot of meat or you eat, you don't eat a lot of grains, well, you know, grains give, I, I'm not going to get upset if you challenge what my practices or my beliefs
2: totally all right man
0: all right man well uh we'll see hopefully one of these weeks one of our teams will do good do well and someone will have something to say <laughs> that's positive
2: hopefully well we can only hope at this point it's it's, it's pretty ugly so far all right man good stuff let's right. take it easy Dalton talk to you next week